Well, good morning, and I'd like to add my welcome again to uh, to all those who are guests with us this morning. If we have never met before, my name is Mike, or Pastor Mike, and uh, it's an honor to add my voice to what has already been shared in the Word of God this morning, uh, both from uh, Vendetta and Heather as they shared uh, their insights and uh, the Holy Spirit's inspiration in them as they read the scripture and processed the subject, Can I Know God Personally? Of course, this is the seventh installment of our Explore God series, which we are closing out this week. And if you've been involved in this series, either in a discussion group or here on the weekends, we pray that this has been a blessing to you and has been equipping to you as you have conversations with folks who are not a part of uh, faith in God or, or a church anywhere, and hopefully equipping you with some ways to uh, build some connections there through the Holy Spirit. Well, I'd ask that, uh, that we pray and dive into this last week and explore how we can know God personally, what that looks like. I'd invite you to pray with me. Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to ask this question, to be honest about it. Uh, sometimes folks are afraid to ask what it means to have a personal relationship with God. The, the buzzword relationship with God is used so often in the modern church today. And sometimes we're tempted to lay that on people as if it's something that they are responsible for. And uh, so today we want to explore what it really means to have a personal relationship with God, if that's even viable, and then what that might look like. So we ask that you come and speak to us now and equip us. Uh, in heart and spirit, and mind, body, soul, and, and strengthen you, and uh, help us to have open hearts toward what you would have to say today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, what I thought we'd do to, to dive into this is take a little look back in history at a, a guy who you might have heard of before. About 500 years ago, there was a young lawyer by the name of Martin Luther, who in the 1500s uh, was uh, sent to... Um, uh, to law school and and on to uh, to uh, learn at the PhD level to become a doctor, and uh, as he was in transit uh, between uh, one town to another, he encountered a really uh, horrible, devastating uh, lightning storm where it uh, it shook him to the very core. And in fact, uh, if if you are following the images on the screen. Uh, you can see that Martin Luther is uh, so frightened of the storm that he uh, falls to the ground and cries out to St. Anne. Uh, now, why would he do that? Well, he's, uh, he's a believing Catholic, and at that point, he uh, trusts in the power of the saints. Uh, specifically, uh, St. Anne has a history with Luther's father, who was a minor, um, one who works in a mine, and uh, Saint Anne was the patron uh, patron saint of uh, of miners, and so he was calling out to the uh, the one agent of the deity of God that he knew, Saint Anne, uh, for help. And the way he did that was very interesting. Basically, the story goes that as he's afraid of the lightning storm out there all by himself on his own, a lonely road, that he cries out to St. Anne that if she saves him from the storm, he'll become a monk. Now, what is a monk? A monk is a religious person, a, a sort of a form of clergy, who swears off all material goods and income and uh, and influence in the community and wealth and all that good stuff, and basically gives all that stuff up and goes to live with other people who do the same in pursuit of knowing God. 
uh, on a deeper and more developed level than the average person. So these are these are folks who dedicate their lives to knowing God on a deeper level, and in fact will uh, sell everything and, and go away, leave their families and go away to do that. So uh, so Luther was uh, quite frightened enough to make a big life change there, even in the midst of a very successful educational journey. He uh, was compelled to give his life away to God and become a monk. And so the, the story goes that as Luther becomes a monk and, and settles into that lifestyle, he begins to study scripture on a deeper level, and he runs into trouble when he finds this verse, and it's in Romans chapter 1, and particularly, I'm going to share this with you on screen, particularly this is verses 16 and 17, I'll just read them for you from the NIV, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, St. Paul says, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew than for the Gentiles. So basically everyone is what he's saying here. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God. This is what stumped Luther because in his training, in his upbringing, he had always been led to believe that the righteousness of God was something that you pursued something that you sought after or worked for, something that you earned by doing religious behaviors. Uh, verse 17 goes on and says, it is a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This whole idea of the righteousness coming to us by faith was perplexing to Luther because his experience in the faith had been very different. He had been trained, he had been taught and brought up that the righteousness of God that he was seeking was something that he needed to do by uh, behaving in a certain way. And so what we find is religious behaviors or what we do uh, were kind of the determinant for Luther as to whether or not he received the righteousness of God. And for Luther, that brought a lot of questions. I would submit today that for a lot of folks who are not part of the Christian church, who don't actually have a relationship with Jesus, um, they struggle with the same idea. And in fact, I would even suggest that those of us in the church struggle with the same idea. And we ask ourselves often, what must I do to make God like me or want to be more around me or for me to have a connection with God that is real and meaningful? In other words, can I know God personally? And does that mean that I have to do something or act in a certain way, pray a certain amount of times a day, read a certain amount of scripture, serve people a certain number of hours a week, you know, something on that order in order to be closer to God? This is what Luther struggled with, and he worked hard as a monk. And it wasn't until the Holy Spirit revealed to him that the idea of the righteousness of God coming to us by faith can only come by faith. That Luther's life changed. He began to receive joy in his faith, and he began to understand what it meant to entertain a relationship with God. And for you and me, that's, uh, there are significant uh, parallels to Luther's life and our life as we're entertaining the idea of what it means to be around God or to have a relationship with God. Uh, so, so the idea literally becomes, uh, just like it says in, uh, in part of our reading today from Titus 3, the kindness and love of God our Savior appearing to us, as it says there in verse 5, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of what? 
because of his mercy. And it doesn't say because of his mercy and other religious stuff that we do, spiritual disciplines and the like. The Bible says he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So we've been given a brand new life uh, through the Holy Spirit who God has poured out on us generously as if, you know, we had a barrel of water poured out on us in the summertime. It wasn't a little trickle of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit poured generously, almost like a flood, uh, through Jesus Christ our Savior, uh, Titus says, uh, in verse 7, so that having been justified by His grace, God's grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now, let me ask you a question. What is an heir? If you If you look at what an heir is in terms of uh, of a contract in these days and times, what is an heir? An heir is someone who receives some something of value or worth when what happens to someone else? When they die. So when another person dies, they leave something to us in a will or in a trust or something on that order, and we receive that as their heir. So God is saying here, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, uh, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit in great abundance and generosity, and we've become heirs. We've become family members of God, and we are to inherit uh, because someone did die. Jesus did die on the cross, but then rose from the grave, right? Uh, we became heirs um, of the hope of eternal life through Jesus and by trusting in Jesus. Uh, for you and me, though, as we look at that teaching and hear that idea again, hear about Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, some of us in this culture might have the reaction of, meh, you know, so what? What, what difference does that make to me? Uh, I'm seeking a relationship with God and I want that on my own terms. And you're telling me, you know, again about Jesus dying on the cross, rising again from the grave. And maybe our compulsion is to think, so what? You know, what difference does that make to me? Well, I'd like to uh, just add a perspective in here from a lady who is a part of the Explore God series. And we're just going to listen to a few words uh, from her now. If, if you'll just take a look at the screen and just listen. We believe in the things we can touch and see we can put our feet on the floor we can feel water on our hands like we believe in those things but god is even more real than the things we can see and touch it does sound crazy to say that you can know god personally especially when we think of our human relationships that we know our parents that we know our spouse or the person we're dating that we know our children or know our best friend. It's hard to think that we would know God in that way when we can't see God, we can't hug God, we can't do the things we're used to doing in our human relationship. But there is another side of us as human beings. We are in our bodies and we do have a mind, but we also have souls and we have a spirit inside. And that is a part of us that sometimes in our everyday life, we don't tap into, we don't connect to that. I was an only child for 10 years until my sister was born. So when you're an only kid, you don't have other siblings, you use your imagination and you play, you know, 
I had my stuffed animals and my Barbie dolls. I had all those things. And I think sometimes in our life, when we don't have certain things, in a way, it does give us a chance to broaden our minds in a way. And so I feel like there have been times of life that have been lonely that give me that opportunity to also get to know God and that I'm not alone. And so one thing that I would say to a friend who asked me recently, like, how how, how do you pray? And when you pray, how do you know that God is listening? How do you know that God's hearing you? And all I can say is, just try. I know it might feel weird. You're in your apartment or in your house or whatever. It might feel weird. You're like, what are you saying? You're telling me to open up my mouth out loud and talk to someone that I can't see, you know? And I'm saying, yeah, I want you to try. I think a great place to start with our faith and with trusting is we just got to try a little thing. And sometimes that little thing is maybe to have that moment where you're going to say, all right, you know, in whatever way I talk to God, I'm going to try that today. Or whatever way I think I could write something to God, I'm going to try that. Or I'm going to open up this Bible. I've heard a lot about it. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to try just reading a little bit for myself. I think that's a great place to start. Just try. Ask God to show you who he is. The beautiful part of this is that we believe that in the trying, in the trying to open a Bible or in the trying to um, to say something to God when you can't see him or in the trying to have a conversation with someone about God that you would not have had before. In that trying, uh, God uh, has already decided to meet you there. Here's what I mean by that. I want to just draw your attention to Revelation chapter 3. And this is the voice of Jesus speaking. In uh, verse 20, Jesus says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Uh, What I want you to see from that, as you listen to Anita's voice and and hear her uh, call to try, what I'd like you to to hear in that and, and experience in that is a little bit of tension. Because as we just said in the beginning of the message, as we were talking about Martin Luther, Martin Luther was struggling with what he had to do in order to earn God's favor. And yet, uh, Anita comes along and says, I just want you to try. I just want you to be open to trying one little step. And there's tension in that because there's part of us that's saying don't try and another part of us that's saying try. Here's the difference. Here's what makes this work and, and makes this idea stand apart as workable. God is already approaching you and me through the good news of Jesus. And in fact, Jesus makes it so simple as to say, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. Now that knocking comes through God reaching out to you and to me. How does he do that? 
He reaches out to us through messages like this, uh, through the message that Anita just shared with you in two or three minutes, through songs, through scriptures you hear, through conversations you get into. When you hear God's word in his heart and his mind of being shared with you, God reaches out to you through that and knocks on the door of your life. He shares his word, his heart, his soul in Jesus with you in such a way as to connect with you and to know you personally because he made you and he knows you better than anyone else does. So in God reaching out to you and knowing you personally, he gives us through Jesus, he gives you through Jesus the ability to know him back personally. You see, this thing with God is not just one way. It is a two-way relationship. And so the question becomes today, as God approaches us through life, through the circumstances of our lives, where we we have cause to step back and ask, you know, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Or what is God trying to say to me? Or what is it life is trying to teach me? Some people are even tempted to say, what is the universe trying to say to me? Uh, You know what? The universe is not God. The universe is God's creation. So instead of worshiping the creation of God, we worship the creator. We ask the question, is there a God? And if there is, does he know me? And the Bible and Jesus working in your life demonstrates that God does know you. You look in the Bible and you find yourself. You see things about yourself, characteristics about yourself that are reflected there. And Jesus stands at the door of your life, albeit your heart, and knocks on that door and waits for you to open it. Now, what does that mean? That means that the trying that Anita was talking about was you reaching down, grabbing the the handle of the door of your life and opening it to Jesus Christ. Now, that's not you saving yourself, is it? That is you opening the door of your life to the one who can save you. And this is what Luther was struggling with. Luther was struggling with whether or not he was the one who was going to have to go find God or go find Jesus and be responsible for getting himself God. But Luther found that this righteousness of God that comes by faith is literally us simply opening the door of our lives to the one who already stands there and knocks and knocks and knocks. You know, I'll confess this to you wholeheartedly. There have been times in my life where I knew Christ was there. I knew he was there at the door of my life, and I chose to keep that door shut in his face. Yeah, that sounds mean, right? But in effect, that's what's happening when we choose to shut God out of our lives, when we know by his own testimony what he said, that he is standing there knocking and waiting patiently to get in. God will not force his way into our lives. And in my own life, I've chosen times to keep that door closed in his face. But you know what? He stayed. He never left. He never stopped being there at the door of my life and never stopped gently, patiently knocking. And in those times when I've chosen to turn that knob and open that door, he's always been there. So for you, my friend, the question is simple today. When God stands and knocks at the door of your life, and it's not an if, it's a when, and the when is now. When God stands and knocks at the door of your life, will you 
by the power of the spirit that God has already given you. Turn that knob and open that door. Allow yourself to try. Allow yourself to pray to someone you can't see. Allow yourself to just talk to him and allow yourself to hear from him through his word, through the very Bible that you have possession of, through your phone. Will you open that door and allow that connection to begin if you've never done it before? Likewise, if you have done it before and you know what that's like, you are surrounded by people who don't know what that's like to have a personal relationship with God. You have the power and the words to speak to be able to share these words. Just try and God will meet you there. Not because you have to find him, but because he stands at the door and knocks. Would you pray with me? Uh, Dear Christ, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you so much for being always ever present at the door of my life, at the door of my heart. Thank you for not giving up on me, even when I've kept that door closed in your face, in your face, even when I've uh, been tempted to believe that finding God was on my own terms and something that I needed to accomplish by my own strength. God, I ask that you wipe that history away. And as you continue to stand at the door of my life and knock, uh, thank you for giving me what I need to open that door. Inspire me to open that door and to lead others to open that door so that together we may know you and answer the door when you knock. You are the one who always stands ready and stands waiting and stands patiently reaching out to me. So God, I want to answer that door. Show me the ways through what you've taught me today that I can share that with other people and together we may know you personally and know you from the heart out. Christ, I just lift all this to you and I pray in your name and I trust that you will be there knocking and that you have given me what I need to answer and invite you in. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.